are back in our third and final segment. We haven't done any obituaries for a while, and we're not going to do any today. In fact, we have so many backlogged obituaries to talk about lives we want to chronicle that we're going to do that for a web-only show of Radio Parallax. Mr. McMillan is calling it Radio Parallax IV, in other words, Internet version. We're just going to have to do that. Although for our third and final segment here, I do want to say just a couple extra words about that story from the UK about uh, abuse going on at the hand of at the hands of Pakistani immigrants in Rotherham. This is a hair-raising tale. And yes, the Economist said that the report of this abuse suggests tentatively that one reason this abuse was downplayed for so long was the fear that local officials might be fingered as racist. It should be noted that there's some other towns in northern England, like Oldenham and Rochdale, where gangs of Asian men have been convicted of grooming and abusing young, mostly white girls. And this is a specific ethnic issue more than a religious one, according to, uh, to uh, some of the authorities. Noted The Economist, young Pakistani men are increasingly alienated from their conservative parents who want them to marry girls back home. They note that discussions of sex are taboo at home and in the mosque, so they learn about it from pornography, and they pick up some misogyny from rap music, and they come to view white women as fair game. Although apparently the report suggests that Pakistani girls were also abused, and that this too was hushed up. The magazine notes rather gloomily that there's probably much more to come from other cities, and the sound of accusations flying in Rotherham could just be the sound of floodgates opening. Good God. And believe it or not, we have two pieces on dredging to talk about, which is a statement I've never made before. The first is a rather bad one. According to the BBC, China says it has the right to build new islands in the disputed Spratly Islands chain. And uh, last week, the BBC released documents showing that China is using massive dredgers and cranes to move millions of tons of rock and sand to create at least five islands along a reef claimed by the Philippines. And on one of these new islands, China appears to be constructing a military base. And people note that an airstrip is going to substantially raise the stakes in China's international dispute in the Spratlys and over other South China Sea islands claimed by Vietnam, Brunei, Malaysia, and Taiwan. On the other hand, we're delighted to report that apparently cooler heads have prevailed down in Australia and it's official. They are not going to dump some of the dredges the dredge spoils out of some proposed developments in cans out on the Great Barrier Reef. They're apparently going to dredge up some mud as part of an extension, expansion of a port at Abbott Point, which is going to support new coal mines. The Australians are selling coal like a house of fire to the Chinese. Of course, this may not all be good news. Um, after the outcry about dumping all this dredging spoils out onto this the Barrier Reef, one of the world's great ecological treasures, an Australian spokesman apparently told New Scientist magazine that they're expecting new proposals to dispose of the dredged sediment on land. Environmentalists in Queensland are noting that it's a vital question of where they're going to dump it because it could still be a disaster if it gets dumped out onto crucial local wetlands. We're hoping to get some reports from our Queensland correspondent, Pamela Sue Taylor, who I'm sure is going to have her finger on the pulse of this ongoing story. All right, we should take a few minutes to talk about some endangered species and the controversy over them. Apparently, the manatees in Florida 
might have their endangered status removed by federal authorities. Yes, apparently the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service is reviewing whether the manatee should be reclassified as a threatened species, which would allow some flexibility for federal officials and still offering some protection. Now, the numbers on this aren't too uh, overwhelming. Apparently, Florida's manatee population has grown from several hundred back in 1967 to over 4,800 this year. 4,800 doesn't seem like a huge number to us. Now, apparently, some sort of developers group titled Save Crystal River Incorporated, and here they are again, the Conservative Pacific Legal Foundation petitioned the federal government back in 2012 to reclassify the manatee. They cited a 2007 federal review that recommends listing the species as threatened since the population is recovering. One article quoted Steve Lamb, described as vice president of Save Crystal River, which they describe as a group that includes about 100 members of, among other things, recreational boaters, tour operators, dive shops, and hotels. And uh, turns out that river, 80 miles north of Tampa on Florida's Gulf Coast, is warmed by natural springs and is a favorite winter congregating spot for manatees. Said Steve Lamb, The truth is the manatee is protected the same as threatened as endangered, but they can no longer use the species to take over sovereign lands and sovereign waters with arbitrary rules. Yeah, we'll see what happens there. There's also a piece in New Scientist last January about the desert pupfish. Had a natural population in Death Valley of about 500. It was therefore one of the first fish that was protected by America's Endangered Species Act. Local landowners, local landowners back in the 70s, whose right to draw water was curtailed by having to keep enough water in these these little chambers, scarcely bigger than aquarium, to keep these fish alive. Um, they they fought, took it all the way up to the Supreme Court, but uh, 1976 lost, and the pupfish survived. Unfortunately, some recent surveys are showing that only 75 of these fish remain in the world, the fewest ever recorded in an autumn survey, when the population is expected to be at its peak. New Scientist Pete notes that Ted Koch, a member of the Fish and Wildlife Service here in America who's responsible for the pupfish's well-being, has convened a meeting this month to discuss ways to keep the population going. Well, if we've learned one thing on this program over the years is that you can really count on the Fish and Wildlife Service to do the right thing. It is noted that if the pupfish dies out in its native habitat, it may be possible to use aquarium stocks to basically, you know, put them back in the wild. And closer to home here in California, apparently federal wildlife officials have changed their mind about the valley elderberry longhorn beetle, determining it is not ready to survive on its own, so it will remain protected under the Endangered Species Act. All right, final item of the day. There's been much talk about the airlines, and now people are crammed together, and we're all unhappy about it. Well, article by Scott Mayerowitz. Reprinted in the B last month, notes that the, Amer- that the airline's latest luxury is distance from the masses. Notes the piece, some of the most cherished new international first-class perks have nothing to do with meals, drinks, or seats. Global airlines are increasingly rewarding wealthy flyers with something more intangible, physical distance between them and everyone else. Apparently many top-paying international passengers, having put down roughly $15,000 for a ticket, 
now check in at secluded facilities and are driven in luxury cars directly to their planes. And you know what? I'm going to talk about this article at greater length. And uh, a more recent article noting that $8,000 can buy you a lot of luxury on American airline flights. I think the details of this are worth delving into, and I think we just don't have the time today. So I have a note that this program was produced by Edward McMillan. And give thanks to our good pal, Mr. Will Durst. I fully expect that on next week's program, Mr. McMillan will be making one of his rare appearances as a guest on this show to talk about some of his adventures down in the Caribbean, because I'm sure he's had a few. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time. (laughs) 